Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. Thank you, Chris. Good morning. I have, uh, I've had a good time the last, I don't know, it's been seven, eight weeks now that we've been talking through this Holy Rebels series. And, and here's, you know, the, the truth is, uh, this could go on and on and on. Like there's enough topics that we could just do this forever and we'd just change our name to Holy Rebel Church, right? <laughs> My desire as a voice into your life is not to tell you what to think. I want to help you learn how to think. And that's incredibly different. You see, we could pick, we've covered some really hard hard topics like politics and government. We've talked about sexuality. We've talked, uh, we did like a, a little bit on abortion. We've talked about school and prayer in school and school and prayer, prayer in school. Um, we've talked, uh, about our gender identity. We've talked about some, some difficult things, yeah? And it's been a joy for me to watch your face as we've talked about some difficult things. But the truth is, I don't need you to agree with what I think. My motivation has been this. I have some really strong opinions. My motivation has been to leave my opinions out of it but to look at scripture and to think through how we think about different issues so that you and I would not learn to think like Joel or like Sozo or like Christians in the West, but that you would actually learn to think not just like God, but with God. You know, 1 Corinthians 2 gives you and I this promise. Now, most people quote it this way. They say, oh no, eye has seen, no ear has heard what God holds for those who love him. And then it goes down a little bit further and it says, but. It says, but we have the mind of Christ. You see, what Paul is actually telling the Corinthian church there is there was a time when we didn't understand what God has for us. However, when the new covenant came, we got access to a different way of thinking. We got access to a kingdom way of thinking so that we have the mind of Christ. So, you may be thinking, well, I don't have the mind of Christ and I'm not so sure that Joel does. Let me explain the way this works to you, for you. You see, when you gave your life to Jesus, you had a heart transplant, a spiritual heart transplant. He took out the heart of stone and he gave you a heart of flesh. He took out your old, decrepit, sin-motivated heart And he gave you a new heart. That talks about really about your your motivation for life. But he also gave you access to a new way of thinking. 
Now, here's the interesting thing. So many of us, we give our lives to Jesus and not all of our tendencies, our addictions, our habits change overnight, yeah? And it'd be like, man, that would be really great if it all changed. And I know some folks, they have a radical encounter with Jesus and like absolutely everything just wiped clean, changed. But for many of us, it doesn't work that way. Instead, we go on a journey of learning to think with God. And there's a big difference in simply thinking like God and thinking with God. Because it's not just that I need to have God's individual thoughts. I actually need his way of thinking, his way of seeing the world. So we'll look at it a little bit later, but Romans 12.2 says, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Do you get that? So it actually doesn't just, it's interesting. It doesn't say your mind is changed by the renewing of your mind. So what it's saying, what Paul's saying is by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's saying that all of us is changed when our mind is renewed. So he's saying the, the word transformed is the same word that's used for transfigured. So when Jesus went onto the Mount of Transfiguration and he began to shine, what happened is, is he was revealed for who he was all, always was. And so as you learn to think with God, you're transformed into what you were always meant to be. So it's not just think new thoughts and you'll have new thoughts, but the invitation of heaven is to be fully transformed, to step into the identity that God always meant for you to have the way that you would, here, let me just give it to you real plain. We talked about this a week or two ago. You were created in the image and likeness of God. And so the goal is that in the renewing of our mind, we would be transformed into what we were always meant to be. Your true self, that you would act like you. Not the old you, but a new you that you have maybe never experienced before. There's a new you that is not an alcoholic. There's a new you that's not addicted to pornography. There's a new you that's not a grumpy old man. And when you're being a grumpy old man, you're not acting like yourself even if you started off as a grumpy young man. You see, we become transformed by the renewing of our mind. It changes everything about us. And so the, the journey isn't, do I adopt Joel's way of viewing politics and government? That's not the point. The point is that you would adopt God's way of looking at the world. And that you would surrender to his way of thinking, not simply his thoughts. I've heard it said this way. 
we're saved when we believe what God believes about us. But we're transformed when we begin to think with God. See, when I realized that God loves me so much that he went to the cross for me, it begins to change me. It draws me to him and I experience salvation. But I become transformed as I begin to think with him about life. And so you may disagree with me on gender and sexuality. I'm not interested in you agreeing with me. I'm interested in you learning to think with God. And let me say this just to be really clear. My attempt in presenting what I've presented to you has been in process with the Holy Spirit and taking a deep dive into Scripture. So what I'm not saying is that we can learn to think with God outside of what's clearly defined in Scripture. Does that make sense? So one of my friends said to me, we were talking about this, he's a pastor in another state, and he said, the... the real key to it is that I have to begin to think, okay, what is God blessing and I can bless that? And what is God not blessing? Can I bless what God's not blessing? Absolutely not. Because I, I need to learn to think with him. And, and there's a reason because God's good and he's generous and he's not withholding life from anybody that wants it in him. So I have to begin to think, okay, what's What's he blessing and what's he not blessing and why is he not blessing it? Probably because there's not life there. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. So I have to not just say, okay, I think I had a thought that maybe God told me this is good and this is right and this is okay. But I have to say, okay, no, what's God saying in scripture? And then I have to surround myself with people that, that are interested in the same kind of thing. We see this really clearly in Luke chapter nine. Go there with me, Luke 9, 51, uh, 52 actually is where we'll start. They're going into Jerusalem. On their way into Jerusalem, they had to pass through Samaria. In verse 52, it says, so he sent messengers ahead of his envoys to a village of the Samaritans. But as they approached the village, the people turned, turned them away they would not allow Jesus to enter for he was on his way to worship in Jerusalem. They just had this deal. Samaritans didn't like uh, Jews coming through, their, through Samaria on their way to Jerusalem. They would make them take the long way around. It says, when the disciples, uh, James or, or Jacob and John, how many of you know this is just like a free rabbit trail? The first English translation into the New Testament was King James. And so he actually inserted his name as the translation for Jacob, but that's a whole other thing. Um, so the, the Hebrew name is Jacob. But So when the disciples, I think it says Jacob up there, right? Some of your versions say James, but either, either one, same guy, not King James. When the disciples, Jacob and John, realized what was happening, they returned to Jesus and said, Lord, if you want to, you could command fire to fall from heaven just as Elijah did and destroyed all these wicked people. You see, there was an old covenant way of dealing with wickedness because new covenant transformation was not possible. And 
my concern for the church is that we have a new covenant salvation, but an old covenant way of viewing the world. That we look at the world and think they're not doing this right. God, just wipe them out. Just judge them for it, right? Like they're different than us. Let's just, let's just, God, you just take care of all of that. And then when natural disasters happen to a group of people that aren't following Jesus, this is really wicked, but we could actually even celebrate that instead of mourn. Let me just go to a really difficult one. Osama bin Laden. Now, there were some like real reasons for justice for him to be taken out. I'm not arguing that. There is, it's a right thing to protect the weak, right? And to celebrate the death of somebody that didn't know Jesus is heartbreaking. Are you with me? Like Osama bin Laden, no different than the Apostle Paul. Right? And so we've got to see this stuff and say, man, like I've got no judgment, no criticism on SEAL Team 6 for going in and doing their job. That was the right thing to do for their assignment. And I think it was the right decision for the government. I'm not questioning that. But what I am saying is that what's going on in my heart? Are you with me? Like what, what's going on inside of me when people that should be perceived as my enemy, when I make that agreement and I begin to call fire down from heaven and I may not have the faith to literally call fire down from heaven, but in my judgment, am I doing that? Are you with me? Did I step on your toes? It's okay. You'll be all right. They'll heal. And so we, we have to begin to think, okay, what is God's heart for humanity? And, and what is his redemptive perspective on the world? And so here's what we see that Jesus did when they were wanting to call fire down from heaven. It says, Jesus rebuked them sharply, saying, don't you realize what spews from your hearts when you say that? The son of man did not come to destroy life, but to bring life back to the earth. So they went another, to another village instead. They just changed directions. See, my concern is not necessarily who you vote for. My concern is much more what's in your heart. You see, you and I could do our very best to hear from God, to search scripture and end up voting for opposing candidates. You with me? Yeah. Right? But the issue is what's in my heart? The issue is... Am I following the way of the king and his kingdom 
or am I of another spirit? Am I like, I, I, I think people have a legitimate reason not to like Donald Trump or Joe Biden. I, I could see both sides on why you don't like those folks and some of the decisions they've made. But I'm not okay with believers that would have the audacity to fly a flag or wear a T-shirt that says, F Joe Biden. Like, just not okay. It's what's in your heart. Are you with me? It's like we, we need a new way of thinking about these things, a new way of living. We've got to agree with God's heart. Go with me to Matthew chapter eight. This one story I think is one of the greatest illustrations of the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Verse one, it says, after he, Jesus, came down from teaching on the hillside, massive crowds began to follow him. Suddenly, a leper walked up to Jesus. So a leper is different in biblical times than what we would refer to as leprosy in our day. It's basically anybody with a really bad skin condition. Often it did accompany uh, losing body parts and some of that kind of stuff. And they were considered, from what they understood, highly infectious so that part is still somewhat true. And so they were considered unclean. They were actually the, like the most outcast in first century uh, Israel. In fact, they had to wear a bell around their neck. It's like worse than a big scarlet letter A. It's a big deal. And so every, they stayed outside of the city. They would often kind of congregate together because they were all that they had. And if you came into contact with somebody, intentionally or unintentionally, who was a leper, then you were considered ceremonially unclean. And there was a significant process, even a waiting period, to make sure that you didn't catch what they had. You wouldn't be allowed in the temple to worship, all that stuff. You'd have to wait outside of the village, the city, until it was proven and the priest basically said, okay, this guy's okay. So this leper walks up to Jesus and threw himself down before him in worship and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you really want to. And Jesus stood at a distance and yelled at him, get your act together, man. No. Jesus went and he touched the man. It's like breaking all of the rules. And he says, of course, I want to heal you some of you need to know that today, actually. Whew. You've been wrestling with some stuff. 
whether it's physical or emotional or spiritual, you've been wrestling with some stuff. And you need to know that Jesus responds the same way to you. Of course, I want to heal you. Not get it together, not try harder, not believe more. Settled, of course, I want to heal you. We'll go back to that. And then Jesus said, be healed. And instantly, all signs of leprosy disappeared. So I said to you, this is one of the greatest stories that illustrates the transition from the old covenant to the new covenant. Why? Because in the new covenant, there's something that happens inside of us that is unable to be contaminated. And the truth is, when you touch people, when you interact with people, if you're a new covenant believer immersed in the way of Jesus, then what you have gets on them, not what they have gets on you. And we've got to stop seeing the world as unclean and rejected and outcast. And we've got to start saying, I'll be the one. I'll be like Jesus to that person, to that group of people. I'll step in there. I'll, I'll, I'll put my hand on them and I'll touch them and I'll be in their midst. It's not about physical touch, though sometimes it is about physical touch, but it's not about will I touch that person. It's will I be in their midst. Will I understand that what's in me is a spring of living water. And so what's in me is gushing out so much that nothing can get in. Let me just make this disclaimer because there's always one or two that think, oh, Joel's saying like all bets are off, right? Like I, I can go to the strip club now because what's in me? And it's like, no, you have to use wisdom, okay? Right, like just to be really clear, like you need to use wisdom, Greg. And, <laughs> and so, so it's not... And it's not permission to lawlessness, but it is permission to be who God created you to be, that you would be a light in dark places, that you would be willing to be identified like your Lord and Savior. Hey, what's that guy doing? What's she doing hanging out with all of those notorious sinners, those lawbreakers, those tax collectors, those whatever it is that would want to be considered to be on the outside? And it's crucial that you begin to understand I have to stay radically in love with Jesus and fully surrendered to him if I'm going to live that way. You see, what's happening in our day is that the ability to live in compromise is quickly vanishing. You see, there was a day when everybody was Christian, but nobody was on fire, right? There's like one or two weirdos and they're over there burning on fire for Jesus. And then everybody else is like, yeah, I could just be a cultural Christian. Cultural Christianity is dying and thank God. And so we're entering a day 
where you're going to have to accept that you're called to be a bright light. And what God is doing is he's taking every bit of security for us to take a bowl and put it over our light. He's just removing that because we are going to have to burn brightly for him. We can't live in compromise. We can't just say, oh, that's not like, I don't, I don't need to, no. He's saying it is time for you to shine. It is time for you to burn brightly. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to know, okay, what is it that God's blessing and how do I bless that? If we're going to do that, we're going to have to learn what it's like to think with God. Go with me to Romans chapter 12 now. We looked at this for a second. I want to look at it a little more. It says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? That's a really good question. God has been so good to us. How do we respond? It says, to surrender yourselves to be his sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Dustin touched on this at Encounter Night on Thursday. And he was saying, you know, there's a big difference. Old covenant, Old Testament sacrifices had no choice and they were killed. But in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, we become living sacrifices. You've heard it said before, the problem with the living sacrifice is that it tends to crawl off the altar. So the invitation is not do we put something else on the altar for us, but the invitation is actually to give our whole selves. You can't be a halfway sacrifice, right? Like you can't just say, well, throw my leg up there, give that. No, it's all or nothing. And that's what it means to worship. You see, worship isn't a music genre, it's a lifestyle. And then it goes on in two, and this is really what we've been, my hope is that we would catch for the last several weeks. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. It will kill you. It will also make you crazy because it's always changing. It will lead you into confusion and it will steal life from you. It says, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And this will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. How many of you want to know the will of God? Right, like you, it's like, I want to know your will. And the way you do that is that you're transformed through a total reformation of how you think. It means that we have to learn 
a different way of thinking, not just different thoughts. You see, most of us, we, we, we'd love, it's like, Joel, would you just tell me very clearly what to do here? Like, is God blessing homosexual marriage? And if not, can I go to the wedding? And like, what, what am I supposed to do with all of this? Right? And I, I want to say, I don't have time to tell you how to think and what to think on every issue in life. And that's not even my responsibility. My responsibility is to give you some keys so that you can learn and grow with the Holy Spirit and know how to address every situation. And so the, the concept here, it's not stated clearly there, but the concept is the word repentance. Say repentance. How many of you have heard repentance as like a mean word, right? Like you think street preacher on the corner telling me that I'm damned and throwing rocks at me. But repentance is actually quite possibly one of the very best words in the Bible. It's the, the Greek word metanoia, and it means to be changed after being with, to think differently after, means after, yeah, after a changed mind, to think differently afterwards. Here's the concept of metanoia. So Jesus gets on the scene, and, and his message that he went everywhere, that he said everywhere, is repent for the kingdom of God is here. Repent because the kingdom of God is near. Repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent because the kingdom of God is in your midst. What he's saying is change everything about how you think and see the world because I am doing an absolutely new thing and there's an invitation to a better way of living. You see, the concept of the word repentance in English is re, which means to go back Pent to a higher way of thinking. Go back to the penthouse in your thinking. And most of us have allowed culture, we've been conformed to the ideals of the culture around us and we've allowed that to drag us down. And so then we begin to fight the way the world fights, right? We begin to argue the way the world argues. We begin to think that somehow standing outside of a building with a sign and protesting something is going to bring some sort of transformation. And it absolutely doesn't work. Why? Because you're at a lower way of thinking. And the invitation is that we would return to God's way of thinking, to the way that we were always intended to think we were created in his image and likeness. And he's now inviting us by the power of the new covenant to learn to think with him, to see the world like he does, to begin to see people like he does, to realize, man, that person is not my enemy. In fact, the re any reason why they would even want to harm me is probably because brokenness in their life. And I can have compassion on them regardless of the way that they treat me. Why? Because I see them not the way the world sees them, but I see them from heaven's perspective. The invitation is that we would learn to think a higher way. Several years ago, I was talking to a friend, a mentor, and I, I was going through a hard time, and he, he asked me, hey, Joel, how are you doing? And my response was, you know, under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty well. His response to me was, what are you doing under there? 
And I wanna say to some of you, what are you doing under there? What are you doing thinking underneath the pressure of culture? What are you doing even staying stuck in the ruts of thought patterns that you inherited from your parents? What are you doing under there? There's a better way to think. There's a better way to live. There's an invitation to repent, which does not mean just to think different thoughts. Right? It doesn't mean to go, if you're addicted to pornography, to start saying, okay, now I'm not addicted to pornography. And just repeat that over and over again. Nope, I'm not addicted to pornography. It's like, that's not the point. It's actually to embrace a fully new way of thinking. New, new, a fully new way of thinking about sex and sexuality. Thinking about God's call for your life and your identity and your holiness. How many of you know that your holiness does not come through trying harder to avoid bad things? Your holiness comes because of the work of the cross. It's actually a gift to you that you steward by the Holy Spirit who is the spirit of holiness. And you see, some of us get it so backwards that we think, I just need to try harder to think like God. I just need to try harder to be holy. I just need to try harder to avoid this thing or that thing. The problem is is that you may have tried changing your thoughts, but you haven't embraced a new way of thinking. The message of the gospel, at the heart when Jesus says, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is in our midst. It's available to us now. The heart of that is there is a better way to think and a better way to live. For them in first century Israel, it's that we're not going to view each other or the occupying Roman armies as our enemy. And we're not going to look for power from politics, but instead from the very spirit of God. We're going to see the world very differently. For you and I, it means embracing a new way of seeing power, a new way of receiving love, a new way of seeing our identity and ourselves. So we begin to embrace his line of thought for us and his way of thinking. Because the truth is you can't afford to think any other way. The call on your life is too great for you to compromise in your thinking. So back to 12.1. Beloved friends, what should we do? What should our proper response be to God's marvelous mercies? Let me say this, this right here, what I'm about to read to you is the key for verse two. They gave us the key before. Sometimes we can miss it because we think how to, let me tell me what I need to do and then how to do it. But it actually says this. The proper response is to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. So the key to transformation is actually not found in trying harder. It's found in surrender. 
It's not trying hard to grasp certain truths. It's actually surrendering to the spirit of truth. And that changes everything. You see, so often we find ourselves trying to be transformed because we study harder or we know more. And yet what I've found, I'm not anti-knowledge, but what I've found is that oftentimes it just leads to confusion. And the truth is, my searching for knowledge can often be a result of my lack of surrender. Because I want to sit on the throne and say, I know all of this stuff. I'm empowered, and now I can determine for me what's right and wrong. But the invitation of heaven is actually to surrender. Again, I'm not saying don't know things, don't study, but I'm saying that's not going to change you. Instead, surrender and say, God, I yield myself to you and to your way of thinking. And the difference is this. In one line of thinking, it's all about my will and my knowledge, my ability to prove. Can I prove that God is God, that he exists, that he created the world? I prove that this is the right way to live and can I argue all of these things? And in the other way, it's like, God, I'm done trying to prove and to know. I'm done being the Lord of my own life. How many of you know we can, we can do Christianity and still be the Lord of our own lives? But instead, I'm surrendering to you, Jesus, to your way of living. I'm surrendering to your way of thought and your way of seeing the world. I'm laying my life in your hands and I'm letting you shape me. And that becomes the keys that gives us all of the keys that we need to navigate. How do we live our life and how do we engage with the world around us? It's not found in studying harder. It's found in learning to think with God through surrender. Let me pray for us. Our ministry team, you guys can come forward. Man, I am absolutely convinced that God is good and like I said earlier that it's his desire to heal. But I've also just been seeing it more and more. So it's like it's it's one thing to know, and it's like, whoa, he's, he's actually doing it. Like this morning we were praying and praying for Greg, and I, as we started praying, I had this pain show up in my shoulder. It's like, that's weird, that didn't, where'd that come from? And so I asked him, hey, do you have pain in your shoulder? And he said, yeah. So we prayed for him, and that pain was gone like that. And I'm just convinced that God, he likes you. And he's not trying to withhold from you. And he wants to bring total transformation to your life. And the road to that transformation is not found in trying harder, it's found in surrender. So this morning it may be that you just need to scoot this prayer team out of the way and you just come to the front to pray. Really, 
you can do it in your seat, but there is something about getting up, not, not even from heaven's perspective, but just saying, God, I'm, I'm willing to move and I'm surrendering to you. Um, so you may need to do that. Or it may be, man, I, I am dumbfounded, quite honestly. I don't mean this to be a guilt trip, but I'm dumbfounded by the number of believers who would even say they believe that God heals and they will not ask for prayer or even receive it when it's offered. I would just say, like, that, that may be a point of pride. It's worth just saying, God, I, I surrender. I, I realize I have need that I can't take care of myself. And so I'm just gonna let you do that. So this morning, I just invite you if, you, if you're struggling with pain in your body, I think somebody, Larry had a word earlier about somebody's right arm, pain in your right tricep, maybe in your right arm. Um, there, there's other stuff that you're, you're maybe wrestling with. Yep. Can everybody hear me? Another thing that we did before service in the prayer time over there is we prayed for a miracle. You know we serve a God of miracles. You know that in 1 Corinthians 12, well, there's a list of spiritual gifts. There's gifts of healings, but then there's also gifts of miracles. In Galatians, it says... Do I need to start all over again? <laughs> we prayed for miracles or a miracle earlier. And we serve a God of miracles. In Galatians 3, Paul says to the Galatian churches, he said, does he who gives you the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And that's the issue. God, I mean, when we began to pray for that miracle, I mean, I often don't have manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but I've had it from that moment until this moment now. I believe that God wants to do miracles today. Come on. Not just healings. Yes, healings. But he wants to do miracles. You may need a financial miracle today. You may need a relational miracle. You may need a healing miracle. But I believe he's here. I believe. Now, you can believe me or not believe me, but I believe with all of my heart that he's here to do miracles today. So as you come forward, don't let that stop you. What is a miracle? It's something you haven't seen before. <laughs> but nothing's impossible with him. I could give you a dozen stories of praying through the years, and I'd never seen it before. We'd never seen it before, and he did it. Don't let that stop you. Amen. So, Lord, we just welcome you here. Would you stand? Lord, we just welcome you here, Lord, and we thank you that it's in your heart to do in us what we've never seen before. And Lord, we, Holy Spirit, we invite you to move. And we thank you, Lord, that you're here and that you're real. Lord, I thank you that this morning you're breaking off depression and suicidal thoughts. That you're healing eyes that have had trouble seeing. Somebody that you've had some, some tremors, some nerve stuff going on, and you're not even sure what it is. God just wants to touch that this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're healing intestinal issues and digestive problems. 
Thank you, Lord, for healing diabetes. We just invite you, Lord, to move. Just come forward and receive as God leads you.